The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, welcome to our party. Hello there, Power Partners. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, a program of positive book talk with authors that help you excel in life. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And we are the mother-daughter dynamic duo, also known as the Goddess Gals. And we're here to be your personal growth success coaches on the airwaves with you to help you pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and, of course, be able to live your dreams through books and media. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the star of your own life. For more information on getting your private consultation in person or over the phone, call 925-377-7888. And this is from one of my favorite authors, Mark Twain. Keep away from people who try to belittle your ambitions. Small people always do that. The really great ones make you feel like you too will become great. Isn't that Mm -hmm. the truth? We have to see people as they are. Well, we've got our super show, don't we, uh, Heather, for everyone today. We're going to be talking about pets and ensuring our pets in our T for Two segment coming right up. In our second part of the hour, we're going to take a serious look at oil and the American globalization policy with Joel Clark Gibbons and his book, The Empire Strikes a Match in a World Full of Oil. It is unbelievably fascinating and interesting. And then we're going to go to the Caribbean island of Trinidad with former teacher and author Annette Osborne and her story of love of her 13 children in her book, as a tale that is told. So it's going to be a fun hour. I want to make sure that everybody checks out our new World Talk Radio um, website because we have a new radio logo and badge. And you'll see Heather and I on there, so check that out. Also, for Be The Star You Are, if you are shopping on eBay when you get to the checkout, there's a pull-down menu that you can decide to donate a dollar or more to your favorite charity. We hope that Be The Star You Are will be the name that you pull down and be generous, but even a dollar helps. Also, our newsletter went out this week. If you didn't get it and you would like to subscribe, send an email to Cynthia at BeTheStarYouAre.com and we'll send you a copy. And, uh, you know, if you go to BeTheStarYouAre.com, don't forget to pick up your autographed copies of our book. And we also just love hearing from you. Well, you know, if you talk about insurance with any American today, 
most likely you're going to hear a tale of woe about how uh, a person is very insurance poor. I know right in our own family, paying the insurance premiums is where the bulk of our dollars go uh, every single year. You know, there's auto insurance and homeowners and health and disability and liability and life and long-term care and intellectual property and business. And, you know, it goes on and on. It seems like every bill you're writing is to insurance. But now there's a new coverage out there, and Americans are flocking to it. In fact, it's the fastest-growing insurance coverage in the industry, and it protects our pooch and many of our other critters. I mean, nearly a dozen firms now offer health insurance for pets. But is it worth it? Now, Heather is an amazing pet lover. She's always been like the uh, female St. Francis of Assisi. What do you think, Heather? Is it a good idea to finance our vet, our vet bills with pet insurance? Just some things I want to put into perspective first. When people first hear this of, oh, you know, another insurance bill, another cost. Well, just to kind of put things in perspective, um, U.S. pet owners were asked um, if they consider their pet a family member, and an overwhelming 88% said yes. Um, 4% said they weren't really sure, and 7 definitely said no. Um, also, they were asked, you know, regarding these questions, do you let your pet sleep in the family bed? Uh, an overwhelming 54%. And more than 29 million people in the United States have traveled in the past three years with their pets. And more That's than 50% number. said they would rather be stranded on a desert island with their pet than with another person. <laughs> so, I can see that. I can totally see that. Yeah, and so and then another crazy thing. So after, you know, all hearing all this, that people, oh, and another staggering one million people, it's estimated, have their pet as their sole beneficiary of their will. Um, you, you see that sometimes with these, you know, million, billion dollar people die, and they, when they look at the will, they left it to their cat Fluffy. And, uh, well, so, I, we had that happen actually in, uh, you know, a family member of ours. So, <laughs> yes, I know that. So, um, you know, so what's the thing? So what is this thing? Is that basically, you know, animals, um, you know, do people consider their pets truly be a family member? But a number staggering is that less than 3% have pet insurance. And Americans are expected to pay more than $11 billion in veterinary bills every year. Um, the price has, in, has increased more than 64% from 2006 to, or from 1996 to 2006 in the medical bills. Just we've seen there's always been an inflation and, and medical bills increasing. We'll still have veterinarian bills. And an average, on average, um, each year uh, someone with a pet per se will spend about $365 a year in a veterinarian bill. If you break that down, that's about a dollar a day. And so one thing is for people out there who do have um, pets, you understand that a lot of the time, it's just, you know, getting the vaccinations, which can be, you know, $10, $15. But the crazy thing, when those things do happen, your your animal gets a, a, some kind of cancer or tumor or breaks a leg or needs some, uh, you know, emergency surgery or they swallow something, those bills can go from a couple hundred up to a couple thousand. And for a lot of people, it can be one of those decisions where you have to think, you know, wow, do I want to pay $20,000 for my cat to go through chemotherapy? Um, or you know, do I want to let it suffer? Or do, you know, do I view it, are those the moments I view it as just an animal or I view it as a family member? And those are really tough calls. I mean, because uh, a hip replacement on a, on a pet can be 
$5,000. And, you know, as you said, cancer treatments can start at $10,000 and go up. And there's exactly. still no guarantees your pet's going to live. Exactly. So I would say is, amazingly enough, it, pet insurance isn't necessarily new. To the United States, um, the very first uh, pet, actually, that was insured was in 1982, was Lassie. <laughs> but um, that was an important pet. Lassie yeah, was an important actually, pet. Actually, pet insurance um, has been around since about 1924, and it started in Sweden, which in a recent poll, as I said, less than 3% of Americans, well, nearly 50% of uh, people in Sweden have pet insurance for their pets. So... Since it is now that people truly are considering their pets to be family members, I mean, the, the clothing market for pets has just blown up, you know, recently, um, that it's, with now, with there being this, there's so many more options now for pet insurance. It's kind of the same thing you have to do for people insurance about shopping around. Um, a little unlike, unlike um, many health insurances where sometimes you just pay a $20 copay and that's it. For a lot of them, it's similar to almost like a car insurance. You have to pay a, a deductible. Uh, and I spoke with a friend who actually personally has it because she has two dogs, and with the first dog, she had spent thousands of dollars on. So um, she found out one day at um, her veterinarian about pet insurance, and she got something. Unfortunately, there are the fine prints. But so far, it has been great for her. She ends up paying you know, roughly about a dollar a day. It's about 30 or 40, $45 a month. Um, which, you know, when you break it down dollar a day, it doesn't sound so bad. And it's kind of the thing, unfortunately, that if your pet doesn't need anything in a year, um, you feel as though, you know, you've, you've put away a couple hundred dollars. Um, but in the end, of, of with all insurances, it's insurance is when you need it. But um, what about the deductibles, Heather? Because yeah, what I was reading is that most of them have like a $3,500 per incident um, maximum. And then they have deductibles. So if you have a $10,000 claim, you know, I mean, it does, you, does save you $3,500. But is that, you know, is that well, worth you it? Know, and mean, as you said there, hey, it does save you that much. The biggest thing, um, definitely read all the – and actually there was a big thing just passed in the Obama policy um, just this week regarding that there can no longer be the fine prints and the asterisks in, in any kind of – policies now. People have to be upfront saying this is what you're signing up for. So this is all relatively new, but in general, just speaking of, make sure you read everything because a lot of things, um, exclusions, there are so many little exclusions, um, especially a big thing is um, hereditary uh, conditions or pre-existing. So sometimes certain, um, certain diseases, certain cancers, certain um, disfigurations, run in particular breeds, for example, of dogs. Yeah, it's um, like, you, you know, have that like kind of a dog, um, and it, and it has Shepherd that has those hip problems. Exactly, that's known for a hereditary condition. That can be a possible um, exclusion from your policy. So I was just saying, let's use a hip thing, for example. Let's just say a lab. This is totally using a totally hypothetical. Let's just say labs are known for having hereditary hip problems, um, so one day, you know, your dog is now 10 years old, and he starts getting a really bad hip, and, you know, you, so you get all this stuff paid for. 
well, you might get, your claim might get denied because it's known that, you know, this breed has this problem. So make sure um, you discuss this with the people saying, you know, what, what are the exclusions regarding um, my breed or my kind of animal. Um, also, any pre-existing uh, pre conditions. Um, the same friend that was telling me how great the insurance has been, well, it also backfired um, with her with another one of her dogs um, that had a skin thing going on, and she paid all this money, and it got denied because they considered it a pre-condition uh, pre um, from prior to when she had the insurance. Also, that a lot of times they're not going to pay for grooming or pet supplies or any kind of behavioral problem. Um, and also, you know, that could be something regarding if, you're, if your pet isn't socialized and it bites someone, um, it's not going to cover stuff that in, involves um, people, per se. Because so you have to be on a homeowner's in, or, or a personal exactly, kind of exactly. liability or an umbrella policy or something to that exactly. extent. And Very interesting. You know, I have a website yeah. that I found where you can compare policies. And Great. I thought I would give, give that, that out. out because uh, that might be helpful. You can go to PetInsuranceReview.com or DogTime.com. So DogTime.com or PetInsuranceReview.com. And at least that gives you an overview of, you know, the different policies out there. But it's like anything in life, isn't it? We really have to investigate thoroughly before we plunk down our credit cards. I mean, as I said, you know, in essence, it sounds like a great thing. And, and as you're saying, that if you have a $10,000 claim and it only pays for $3,000, well, hey, that's $3,000 paid for. Um, but it's that thing of, you know, with people, as we always just say again, with people, when you're getting a pet, um, view it as more, view it as a child. That it's, it's more than just an animal. It truly is a family member. It's an investment of not only time, of not only money, but time, love, nurture. And just as people, just as children, um, animals get ailments, they get sickness, they have behavioral problems, uh, they need vaccinations. And a big thing, too, um, spaying and neutering uh, your pets. I read just a staggering, uh, let me find that statistic regarding breeding um, with animals. In six years, 67,000 puppies can come from just one female dog and her offspring. So saying that... You know, one dog, she has puppies, and then her dogs have puppies, and then that from all of that, many, from the amounts of litters, you can trace the same dog back six years to 67,000. And for cats, 60, for that's kittens, one, one dog? No, that's one amazing. dog is not going to give birth to 67,000 in six no, years. No, 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 but I meant that's, the the, that's how far that. it goes with the, all the different yeah, puppies, exactly. and if they and, breed, you know, wow. Yeah, and so that's the thing, too. Um, and then one thing, too, you know, for a lot of people that say they don't think that's right, or um, it truly is a safety thing for animals, too. If your animal is, you know, out and back, stray animals can mate with it. Um, or also, you know, it keeps our animals healthier. We, <laughs> there used to be this cat on our grandmother's ranch, this poor thing that was not um, spayed, and she was just pregnant every other week. And unfortunately, she would have really unhealthy offspring and eventually you know her kittens were mating with her it's, it's that um they kind of you know don't have that kind of separation of family and so you know kind of horrific things were happening this poor cat was just exhausted um so that's another you know healthy and safety thing and just keeping you know up and a lot of times people think you know oh my cat's an indoor cat or i have a dog that you know is only indoors and just has a small backyard um, no house is, is pet-proof. 
So there are so many possibilities. Um, they could hurt um, hurt themselves, something could fall on them. Um, even just you know other people coming or carrying, they could on their clothes be carrying in um, different bacteria, stuff your animal isn't used to. So. Um, you know, if you're not going to get pet insurance, just make sure you keep really up on your pet's health and make sure when you're looking to get a pet um, that you realize uh, the possible medical um, bills that could that could come. Well, before we end the segment, I have one other question on your research. Is it just for dogs and cats the insurance, no, or can you not actually at take insurance? All. They have all, on a turtle, on a pig, on you can, anything exactly, you want. Chinchillas. Uh, lizards. They even have, you know, for people that uh, they have exotic pet insurance too, um, because a lot of times exotic pets can be quite an investment. So definitely, you know, go to that pet comparison, that uh, pet insurance comparison uh, website you were talking about. But they offer insurance for all kinds of all kinds of pets. So okay. just look. Hey, well, that is great. Research. I'll give those websites out again: petinsurancereview.com or dogtime.com. They're both independent sites. We have nothing to do with it, but it'll give you some information. And then, you know, you can finance uh, vet bills, too. There are some credit cards that will actually give you longer to pay when you're working with um, animal, animal uh, vet, um, vet bills. So check out these sites. Well, Heather, give out our websites. Most definitely you want to go to BeTheStarYouAre.org, BeTheStarYouAre.com, ComedyClutches.com, both with a K, and MySpace.com, forward slash Carmony Clutches, both of the K. Well, when we return from break, a remarkably learned scholar in a multiple of disciplines, Dr. Joel Clark Gibbons will join us with one of the most pertinent books of these times, The Empire Strikes a Match in a World Full of Oil. It is really insightful. Stay with us. We are going to be talking about the question of globalization of democracy. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Or send an email to info at be the star you are.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thank you for staying with us, where the world comes to talk, listen, and communicate on issues spanning the globe. 
Well, with the recent horrendous oil spill in the Gulf, Joel Clark Gibbons' book, The Empire Strikes a Match in a World Full of Oil, is extremely important to look at the way that we have supposedly been keeping the world safe for democracy at a very, very high price. Joel is an accomplished scholar with doctorates in economics and mathematics and a business career in the financial marketplace. His philosophy is both practical and relatable. Welcome, Joel, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Uh, thank you, Cynthia. It's Joel, i got to tell you, reading your book, first of all, I believe you must hold a doctorate in history and world affairs, although you claim that this expertise has come from the School of Hard Knocks. Uh, I am just so impressed with what you write, and I know you've written so many books. What was it that first interested you in uh, reading about, researching, writing about empire and the global takeovers and kind of giving the backstory of of why oil is so important to the world right now and to nations and to being on top? Well, uh, that's uh, a bundle of uh, questions. I'll try to take them one at a time. Uh, oil is so important because it's so valuable. The, uh, it, it's valuable by the barrel, and there are a lot of barrels out there. Uh, the, the total aggregate world value of, of the oil just produced each year is, is just immense. So, uh, or put it another way, oil and, and natural gas are, are so important to our whole way of life. Um, so to, uh, to have an influence, or much less even to have control, in that market is, is a tremendous power. <clears throat> well, you know, we, you talked about empire and the Persian Gulf. First of all, the book, Empire Strikes a Match in a World Full of Oil, is not just about what's happening today. You go throughout history of how empires were <clears throat> created and the demise of them and how wars were fought, etc. And you talk about how in the First World War the British Army but used troops from the colonies to invade Iraq. And at that time, Iraq was part of the Ottoman Empire, and that the prize then was oil. Yeah. I had not realized that that was the prize then as it is today. Yes, the, uh, the British were, and the Russians were the, were the first to really understand, and, well, perhaps the Germans too, were the, but uh, were very early uh, and quick to understand the importance of oil. The, the first oil-fired uh, warship was actually a Russian warship uh, that cruised on the Black Sea and demonstrated the vast, the enormous superiority of the diesel engine. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, now in light of what has just happened, Joel, in the Gulf with BP, and it, it seems to me that there was has been like a huge cover-up and then Originally, the uh, administration was, you know, oh, this is a great thing. Problems can never happen. But now a lot of uh, light is coming out that they probably knew that, that this great destruction could happen and they weren't doing anything about it. How is this going to affect the rest of our economy and our viewpoint on uh, drilling for oil in all the different places that it's so important. You talk about Canada, you know, Alaska, um, Brazil. I guess now you know, is a huge producer too. Well, what do you think the, the think future the, is holding for us? The impact on our point of view, I think, is is especially pertinent uh, in the <clears throat> excuse me 
in the world today, there's a, uh, it seems to me, a tremendous crisis of, of confidence in world leadership. We feel it here, so obviously uh, in Europe it's felt uh, intensely. It has so far skipped China. Uh, they don't have this. But, but so broadly over the world there's a, the crisis of confidence. And the, um, uh, the events in the Gulf, the, the events surrounding BP, uh, certainly highlight that. BP, is, BP and Shell Oil, the two British uh, oil producers, so, so intensely, uh, you might say, political. Uh, BP created out of the British conquest of Iraq um, are uh, fused petroleum and uh, Western governments into sort of a single arm. And uh, so a crisis of confidence in BP is a crisis of confidence in kind of the established uh, political order. Well, and one of the things you bring out in the book is that, you know, oil has made, for example, the the bankers the the business people of London rich but hasn't necessarily been good for England or Great Britain as a whole. In fact, there's just this huge migration of people uh, uh, leaving England and speaking of you know of England. But why? It seems that this quest for oil is a price that's too expensive for all of us uh, normal populace to be paying. <laughs> And especially, I don't know, it feels like a double-edged sword. On the one hand, we're being told, you know, that we're using too much gas, we're going to run out of oil, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, from what I understand in your book, there is an endless supply, and there's even been found ways that we can change the biochemistry now to actually make oil. Yes, yeah. The, uh, there, is, there is truly no limit to the amount of, of usable hydrocarbons, oil and gas. Uh, available to us. There's just no limit. Uh, the uh, the petroleum economy uh, will be with us for you know, we might say forever. Not meaning literally forever, but for so long that uh, it doesn't really matter what happens next. Uh, and it and it's tremendously productive. It is uh, it has been just a revolution. It has permitted. Um, enormous expansion in the world's population and much and even more so uh, uh, an expansion and elevation of the world's standard of living it, it's it, it's mar- virtually miraculous um, the it has been also up to now highly politicized with with uh, basically British and American control uh, BP is among other things it, BP is at a partnership with a Russian company, but which is in that partnership is the largest oil producer in Russia, which and Russia is the single largest oil producer in the world. So the so the BP and Shell and Exxon and Chevron and so on, those logos go everywhere, uh, and it is uh, the 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 immense value of what they produce has 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 landed in very few hands, and I think that's what you were kind of alluding to in your question. The, there was a great man, a truly great man, Lord Alfred Milner, Britain, British man, the most important political figure in Britain from, let's say, 1900 to 1925. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> he saw how uh, British economic policy was causing Britain away from the city of London. Well, it was causing the city of London to collect to accumulate all the wealth of Britain. 
and the rest of England and much even more so Scotland and, and Wales uh, to to kind of slip back into almost a, a third world situation. The, London had all the power, all the money, all the everything. Uh, and, and he worried about that. Lord Milner worried about that. Uh, but he <laughs> was not able to do anything about it. And it, uh, it, it, we see it in, in America. It is what people uh, are concerned about, how they react to the fact that our, our worldwide entanglements uh, seem to take priority. We, we're, we care more. Well, there was a news item yesterday about another $500 million to Pakistan. This, we already give Pakistan about $5 billion a year, so they got a 10% raise. Uh, and the American people saying, well, we didn't get any raise. Uh, why, why now $5.5 billion for Pakistan? Should we move to Pakistan? You know, I think that's such an important question, and you bring these questions out in your book, throughout your book, The Empire Strikes a Match in a World Full of Oil, of how we're, uh, America, as well as some of the other uh, big powers, are trying to rule the rest of the world or take care of the rest of the world while their own people are suffering. And what is the answer to that? It seems that there always this, globalization, this reach out, is going after having the power to be close to oil. It always seems it's coming back to oil. Do I have that right? Uh, well, you have it very right in terms of the history. Absolutely right. The, there is a way out of this box. And the way out of this box is, is, a, is a phrase that will be familiar to everyone in your audience. It's called the rule of law. Uh, right now, and, and for some time now, a few decades, uh, we've had kind of the rule of America. And boy, if if anyone's going to rule, let it be us. I mean, and I say that for everyone's sake. But but none of us are angels. We're, we're not perfect. And what is really needed is something that, that America has lost sight of, or let's say the leadership of America, and that is the rule of law. And the, uh, the the book concludes with a, with a chapter, well, a chapter on the rule of law, and then actually a, a, you might call it a chapter or, or appendix, uh, which consists of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Men. The no one should have the kind of power that we have now, that Britain had in uh, in the 1920s. Right in the last uh, the, century, the, right. The, the, the Kaiser, who was an absolute madman dreamed of having in 1914 the none of us are angels uh but the 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 way around this is the rule of law well you have at the back of your book the universal declaration of human rights and you also have talked about uh a couple some of the, the speeches that pope benedict has come out and talked about which you know i think have been glossed over people don't really even know about it but the important thing is that somehow people have been lost in this equation. When, when I'm reading about how, you know, we really went to Afghanistan, really, because to get closer to oil, and why are we still in Iraq to be near oil? Yep. <laughs> and those are scary And that we have our, our three, what, our three big enemies now are Russia, China, and, darn it, I'm, what is the third one? Iran. You, uh, Iran, right? 
Yeah. Russia, China, and Iran, but we also have to be aware of India and Brazil because they they could be potential enemies. Um, you you wrote about William uh, Engdahl, who alleged that it was the Bank of England and its governor who financed the rise of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. And yeah. that was supposed to just be a counterweight to the advance of the Russians. Yeah. Yeah. Were, so it seems like we're in a big chess game, Joel, uh, and I, you brought it, you write about it so eloquently, and you, you were able to tie it in so much throughout history, how it's just kind of repeating itself, repeating itself. So if we can do this human rights, if we can do the, the rule of law, would we, you know, can we save ourselves? I guess that's my question. <laughs> well, uh, yes, absolutely. We're going to be saved. Uh, the world is not coming to an end. Uh, it's gonna. We're gonna get out of this somehow, but the 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 way we want to get out of it is by kind of restoring the rule of law, and the 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 single most uh, you might say chilling uh, reference point or or what should be a reminder of how important this is is the history of Athens. Now I, I, I understand Athens is not exactly topical. Uh, uh, no, these, I think it's very topical. And again, you talk about this in uh, in your book. Go, please talk to it, about it because Socrates <clears throat> was such a great man, and look what happened. Yeah, the the Athenians discovered genuine democracy. It's become uh, popular in recent years to to sort of uh, pick at their at their democracy and its imperfections. But but for the Athenians, it was genuine revolutionary democracy. Uh, th that's wonderful, and it was, and and they created great things because of it. But it led them to do one incredibly crazy thing. It led them to think that that the the state or the people, uh, not individually, but when the people got together, they were like a god. They could do anything that they wanted to do. There were no rules. There were no limits on what they could do. Uh, and the the Romans later looked back on that history, and of course, the, let me fill in the history. The history, of course, is that Athens simply self-destructed. It was just yeah, it imploded that, that, basically. That craziness of thinking they could just do anything they wanted uh, just just killed them basically. The and Romans kind of, that is sort of what we're as Americans are feeling, or at least it seems to be the temperament. So that is a scary reminder. Yeah, I'm sorry, the, continue. The temperament that, that there are there are no there are no true rules. There are no true constraints. You can do anything that you want to do. You can be anything that you want to be. Uh, that that you don't have to submit to truth. You don't have to submit to justice. You don't have to submit to right. Uh, the that that you just we rule. That that is suicidal. That is a suicidal tendency, and that is does, and that is basically what we're feeling at the moment. So, what we really have to have is this world legal system where free nations can interact with one another. But this is where the United Nations can really come into play, and we could really have a very effective United Nations if somehow we can use this rule of law. Yes, yes. The uh, the United Nations by itself is just a you know kind of what it has been, kind of a debate society. Um, it doesn't cut it. What, what's necessary is for the members to morally and intellectually 
commit themselves to it, to say this is better than what we could do on our own. And it's very difficult for America to say that because we're doing pretty darn well, uh, but not, I venture, well enough. Uh, we need we need a, a, a world government, but above all, we need a world um, court system for resolving disputes. That that's what really the the, the statements by uh, Pope Benedict uh, really relate to. We need a uh, a world court system like the common law courts that will hold everyone accountable to uh, to. Uh, objective truth and to resolving disputes in the fairest way. Well, uh, because I know like that the World Trade Organization, what's happening mm -hmm. there is it, the, uh, the general rules have really become rather dysfunctional, I mean, really not working. So we really have to get closer to something else that will be lawful and just for everyone. Yes. Well, I, I'd like I, to give I, out your website. You have several other books, and... I didn't realize how important it's going to be to read all of them because <laughs> you are really, you're such an interesting writer, and I want to say that to all the listeners. This book it enlightened me so much. There was so much information I didn't know, and you explain it so easily, and I love how you can weave the different uh, ages and, and uh, antiquity in with what's happening today, and all we have to do is look at the past to see really what what could be the future if we don't step in and create this rule of law. So the website is logisticresearch.com. Is there any other website you want to send uh, people to? No, that's it. Okay, logisticresearch.com. This book is The Empire Strikes a Match in a World Full of Oil, but visit Joel Clark Gibbons' website so you can uh, take a look at his other books. Joel, you are an absolute wealth of knowledge. I do think that you should be a professor of history and international affairs. I, maybe you could lead us to this this new lawful system. Thank you so much for being a guest on Star oh, Style, Be the Star You Are. Awesome. It has been so great. When we return from break, we're going to be traveling to the Caribbean for As a Tale That is Told by author Annette Osborne. It's the flashbacks of a woman from Trinidad who is traveling. You'll enjoy it. Thanks for staying with me. Stay here. Don't go away. I'm Cynthia Bryant. I'll be back in a bit. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are.
the World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestaryouare.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thank you for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, broadcasting live since 1998, bringing you the authors and the experts who actually change your life and bring you good things in life. Annette Osborne is a retired teacher. She was born, raised, and educated in Trinidad in the West Indies. She has penned a book that chronicles the life and death of a woman who is so dedicated to her 13 children to helping them be the best that they can be. It is a tantalizing book that is about traveling, and we're about to hear what that's all about. The book is As a Tale That is Told. Welcome, Annette, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you very much, Cynthia. This is a very, very fun book, and I started off by looking, uh, reading your dedication at the front of the book because this is a book that you wanted to do to dedicate to all women, uh, particularly black women and women that are struggling to raise their children against all odds. And, of course, you have your three uh, prototypes, uh, Pearl, Annette, and Roanne, this, your Louisa, the mother, the heroine, the protagonist in your book, has such wisdom and such insight, and how she keeps her thirteen children together. Tell us the backstory, Annette, and who this is based on, and what your family had to do with it. Yes, this story is really based on the life of my mother. It's a fictionalized version of the life of my mother. So I have changed a couple names and and places and that sort of thing. But as I was, when I grew up, I realized the strength that existed in my mother. I realized that she was a very wise woman, even though she did not have much more than an elementary school education at that time, how she raised her children to fear God, to honor God, and to do the best that they could do. Um, her, her character, she was a very even-tempered woman. You never, uh, she never lost her temper or flared up or anything like that. And I think she did this because she was a praying woman and she just tried in her own way to do the best for her children. I wanted to ask you, now, did, you, did your mom, did you actually grow up with 12 other brothers and sisters? Was there a baker's well, dozen? It, with uh, 11 siblings. You I had 11 siblings. number. So yes. this truly is uh, very similar to what you did very grow up with. It, yes. You, you have a wonderful way of writing the, this book, and, and the uh, title actually comes from a passage in the Bible as a tale that is told. Yes. 
And that was a that was an inspiration just to get that. But your mom, as you said, Louisa, or the character in the book, it was so very even tempered. And I was always amazed at whatever was happening in her life, how she had an answer that was really um, insightful for every situation. And at the same time, the men in the book are not very enlightened. Is that a typical, a typical kind of um, characteristic of, of Caribbean, the men, the way they're raised? What is that? Yes, if you had looked at the foreword by by a professor in the uh, University of the West Indies. Yes, which is an excellent forward, a, and she talks about culture, that. There is a West Indian culture where the mother is the dominant figure. The men are very emasculated. Yes, because of uh, a lot of social and economic factors, many factors around the fact that some of them do not have enough money to provide for their children, and um, on their jobs sometimes they're discriminated against. So I suppose that had a way of uh, emasculating them. But the woman came out very, very, in a very strong way to defend and protect and do what is right. But at the same time, uh, they're married to their husband, so they've got to be careful and not make their husbands feel that they are taking over. That was a real balancing act, and this is something with Louisa that after reading the foreword, I expected to read, you know, to see a, a character who was very domineering, and that was not the case at all with Louisa. No, she was she not. Al- uh, she always let her husband at least feel like he was in charge. Yes, yes. So that's, um, so that's how the women actually survive it, thrive, and are able to raise really good kids. Something else that struck me is having 13 children going before the customs board to try to come get visas to America and how all the children are clean, well-spoken, dressed properly, and well-behaved. That is also uh, an attribute of and, and an honor to the women of your culture. Yes, because the the children are taught to be quiet, to be respectful, to be honest, very basic, basic, um, a, a very basic, truthful and Christian, if you want to call it that way, upbringing. And so, when they go out, they know how to conduct themselves. The Bible so, was very important in this family, as I'm sure it was in your family, and yes. gave rather a guidepost of how to live and how to conduct oneself and how to treat one's neighbors, as well as it was a tool for teaching other uh, children and families in the neighborhood how to conduct their lives. Yes. Well, we did have a Bible class at home, and we taught children. Um, God was very real to us, and everything we did centered around God and whether he was pleased or not. Uh, he was a loving father, a provider, and our whole our whole lives was focused on God. And this is why it was it would have been difficult for me to write a story like this and not give the Bible and God the preeminence that they had in the life of the family. If I had done otherwise, it would not be true. Well, it was very, very. Uh, it is very. 
uh, at the forefront of the book, and I think that sets the tone for the book because without your belief system and without uh, God as your guide, let's say, it might have had different circumstances. It seemed that Louisa was always, always working for what is the right thing, what is the fair thing, and to be good to all the children as well as her husband. And um, But at the same time, she was never, ever a doormat. When she always was sticking up for the children when something went wrong at school or there were there were many teachers that were unfair or mean or and uh, the mother your character i'm sure your mother was the same never yes. put up with any of that yes she 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 was not a fool she read the bible she believed in god but she knew how to handle a situation she chose her battles she knew when to fight and when to give a peace offering I would say that it was, that was considered a very smart lady. We're talking to author Annette Osborne. Her book is As a Tale That is Told. It is a story of um, a woman from Trinidad who has 13 children based on her growing up and her own mother, a very courageous woman who really wanted the best for her children. Now, Annette, I was fascinated about the quote-unquote traveling, this dreamlike that you're in, that's sort of between life and death when you're reviewing your life. Tell us more about that and the tradition, and because it's very much a Caribbean philosophy, and it's very fascinating. Would you, and that's how you focused your book. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, the book is really my mother's traveling. The old people say that just before you die, you go into a state between life and death, and, and there you, you travel through your past life, through past experiences. Uh, some are real, some are not real. And sometimes you'd hear a dying person refer to something in the past, or they would refer to somebody who died already as though that person were living. And um, this state of traveling, this is the whole content of the book. The book really spans about three days from my mother's dying to her, her death and her funeral. And um, it, it, it really, most of the story is where she relives her experiences with her children. But at that point in time when she's traveling, the experiences to her are very real, as though they are happening at that point in time. So she herself is confused. She's not sure that that is what is really happening until the end of the book when she says, wait, I'm dying. What I've just been doing, all that I've been recounting is part of this traveling, which she would have heard from her grandmother and her aunt. She had seen them die. She had heard old people around say, okay, leave them alone. They are traveling. And then she realizes at the end of the book that this is what her experience is the traveling part. That she's actually traveling as well. Now, uh, were these experiences that uh, you talk about in your book as a tale that is told that your mother actually had? For example, let's go to, I wanted to talk about the earthquake. She mm -hmm. is taking all, she's going across the street to get treats for her children who have all been very well behaved, and an earthquake occurs. And she's separated. The, world, the ground comes up and she can't get across. Did, That's did, part did, of the traveling. 
and that was because part of mixing so the earthquake was part of the traveling, or was had there been an earthquake when no, the children no, were younger? No, it was part of the traveling. And if you realize it, it ties in with her tooth bagai fini yes. for her final experience when yes. she wonders, "Have I been rescued from the earthquake? Where are my children?" So um, she's reliving her interview at the American Embassy, but with traveling. You, are, you cannot control the way your mind goes. Your mind could go to anything. It could go to an experience that never really happened, like the earthquake. The earthquake that never really happened. Yeah. So it was like a, it was like a fear. That while she was traveling, this was almost like a fear that she had had of losing her children. Yes. What yes. about the careers? This, to me, was fascinating in how... She envisioned, she kept having vivid dreams of each child dressed in a certain way, and that would determine whether they were going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, or, you know, a, a craftsperson, whatever it is. Is that how your mother um, envisioned before she was traveling as well? No, the actual vision is fiction, but she always had this, she would look at you, look at what you're doing, and then say, you know, uh, let me get some puzzles for you because you like, uh, you like things that make you think. So or, she was actually encouraging you to follow your own yes, strengths yes. is what uh, your mom did. Or she would say, um, why don't you teach in Sunday school? Because you're teaching your brothers and sisters all the time. Which, and somehow um, she tried to prepare us, even though she didn't know much at that point in time. Even though she didn't know much, she still tried to prepare us for careers and so on in the best way that she knew how. Now, did all of your brothers and sisters end up immigrating to the United States? Eventually, yes. Eventually. And mm -hmm. did they follow careers that, you know, your mother had encouraged them to, you know, to, to learn more about? basically what she encouraged them to do. Oh, that is very, very interesting. And is this a something that happens in many Caribbean families, or at least yes. from Trinidad? Yes, and I wrote about it because I realized that people like my mother are dying, and nobody is recording the struggles, the battles they had, the way they fought to educate their children. Nobody is recording that. And it really was. They had, they had to give up so much in order yes. for their children to have a better life. And it, mm -hmm. but it was not, it didn't seem like it was, a, um, it wasn't such a sacrifice because it brought them such great joy because they wanted to have this better life. Yes, yes. And at that period of time, most people were looking to the United States and most people had the, the belief that, if they could get their kids across to the United States, they would get the education and the help that they need to really excel. And that's what so comes across in your book. That and this is why life. I know it's dedicated to uh, every courageous woman who is putting her children first. Yes, because, it is. Because this is what, Louisa, this is what your mother did. I want to give out your website. It's a lovely, lovely book. And... I love all the different, um, the different sayings that are in here that we aren't accustomed to unless you've been to your uh, beautiful island or you've been to the Caribbean. So I'm glad that you are 
holding the light for the culture and holding the light of history for your land and for your uh, posterity. I think that's very important. Uh, The website is A-S-A-T-A-L-E, and the book is As a Tale That is Told. So that's what the asatale.com. Do you want to give us a final kind of wrap-up to uh, give our listeners, you know, another little peek at, at what they're going to be experiencing when they read your book? Yes, there is a glossary that explains all the terms. The Caribbean, the, the Caribbean English is so, um, it's beautiful. It's very picturesque. And when you look at the glossary, then you begin to understand the deep meaning of some of the simple terms like cockroach don't have right in foul business. And those kind of terms, which are difficult to understand without looking at the glossary. And I'm so glad you included the glossary because when I was reading the book, I referred to the glossary on a constant basis, and I found that so many of the words are a combination of French, of Spanish, probably Portuguese. Of, yes. There's many languages, and you have, it has its own rhythm. It's very poetic. Yes, because we have a very mixed culture, um, European, African, Indian, uh, Syrians, Americans. It's a great mix of people living together in harmony. Well, I know the mango will not fall far from the tree, so your own children are very blessed to have you as their mother. Go to asatale.com, asatale.com. The book is As a Tale That is Told by Annette. Osborne. Annette, thank you so much for sharing your love of your homeland, of the traveling stories, and this uh, wonderful book, As a Tale That is Told. It's a a wonderful story, and your mother is uh, definitely dancing with the angels. I'm sure she is. I'm sure. Thank you, Annette. Well, our aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate, cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And we hope you'll pick up the books that we have uh, forecast today and featured. A book is like a garden in your pocket. And until we celebrate next week, I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, and I thank you and encourage you. Be the star you are. We'll be together next week. Have a great one. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're